talk just common sense from a couple of uncommon gingers you got that right <laughs> ain't that the truth so tell me what's been on your mind red well it's been a while and plenty i'm thinking about this navalny thing i'm thinking about biden i'm thinking regrettably about trump <laughs> but what i want to talk about is a dumb mega idea okay there are other kinds of MAGA ideas? Uh, stupid, idiotic. Okay, all right. Let's not pile on. I was making a joke here. Okay, I like to try to be non-political, but this one put me over the edge. This one got stuck in my craw. Oh, I'm sure it's going to be scandalous. What is it? So it's about America's Super Bowl sweethearts. That's right. Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift. What about them? Well, the MAGA nation seems to think they're a national security risk. What? Now they're cringy and a little bit overplayed, but I love it. Well, I was I think it's good for football. I was hoping you were going to bring up Jason Kelsey in a luchador mask like DJing at 11 o'clock at night. But go on, go Mag- on. Megan doesn't care about Jason no, Kelsey. No, they probably were no. all they probably endorsed that behavior. Yeah. So, so Fox News hosts and Trump influencers were promoting yet another conspiracy about the pop star and the Kansas City Chiefs tight end. Allegedly, they are spies for the Ukraine. No. Oh, dang. Okay. I didn't guess right. Well, that one didn't make the papers. Oh. <laughs> they the, allegedly the White House, the NFL, and various wealthy Democratic movers and shakers manipulated the Chiefs' Super Bowl run That's... to to influence voters to follow the lead of the power couple's presumed endorsement of the Biden presidency. So they thought if they pushed those two together on national TV, they'll have gobs of followers. I, That's I a know. reach. That's a reach is what I I'm trying to say. I don't know that the NFL and the White House are in cahoots. I wouldn't think so. No. But no. they are both after money, so that puts everyone kind of on the same I'm team. Kind of, I, well, if I'm, you're both after that kind of money. I guess I'm kind of hoping that Biden's a little more altruistic. He didn't become president by not thinking about money. No, no, no. And I'm sure he had to compromise compromise on many levels. Uh, you don't become president without being beholden to someone. Right. But right. I don't think that's why you brought this up. No, no. I, I, and I just think that it's, it's yet another theory. In fact, the New York Times correspondent wrote that Dumb and Strange is on par for the course in Magdalene. <laughs> in Magdalene. I don't think you can... Uh, give this solely to Magaland either. I think this is out there in many other circles and it's ridiculous in every circle right. it's in. I think it started though with Magaland and then it, it it gained traction on on social media. <laughs> it could be, I don't know. All right, but you know what this is this was a killed me. They the other part of that theory was that Taylor Swift, the most popular musician of 2023, needs the NFL to promote herself. This woman is gone vinyl, classic, platinum, whatever you would. He, she did it all in 2023. Oh, yeah. She doesn't need the NFL to promote her or make her richer. Well, if anything, it's going the other direction, I'd say. Yeah. And a big reason we're talking about these things. Yes, yes. We have a special episode today. And, and what may that be, Red? Well, we have a special sports with the emphasis on football episode. And we have a special guest... 
We have Coach Adam here with us today. Thank hey. you so much for being on the show. Welcome, Coach Adam. Uh, thank you for having me. Um, I trust the flight in was okay. It was a long <laughs> flight, but I made it work. You were I know you were in just a business plus. We weren't able to fly you uh, first class. Yeah, right? I was a little unfortunate, but uh, <laughs> I didn't get that. And the limo crapped out. I, we'll, we'll reimburse you for cab fare. <laughs> yeah, I'm expecting a good limo service next time. I know. It, really, we need to step our game up, but I understand. Thank you for being on the show, though. No problem. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. We, you know, you have a ton of experience uh, in coaching. Mm-hmm. And All right, we, uh, but before we even get started, I want to know one thing. Yeah. Do you like being called coach? Well, that's what I was going to say. Okay. Are you cool with being <laughs> called coach? Adam? I mean, it's kind of been deemed on me, I guess, but it's not. It's what the kids who call me all the time. Right. But right sure. Right. Have at it. I don't care. It I, works. It works. Yeah. Coach Adam. It works. I like it. So. Mainly a football guy. Mainly a football guy. I like all sports, but... And I'm sure when you were younger, you played a little of everything. Yeah, I played a little football, baseball, basketball, track, all the things. Did you play any of that stuff in high school? Uh, Yeah, football and track. Okay. Yeah. What was your track event? I was a a sprinter sprinter and a jumper. Somehow I I had that feeling. A jumper? Long jump. Long jump. Long jump guy. Wow. Sprinter and long jump. Well, well, let's just jump right into it. How young were you when you first started playing like organized football? Organized football is nine years old. Okay. Nine years old. Third grade? grade? Yeah, third, fourth grade um, on the midget football team. Yeah. Rams. Nice, nice. And uh, it's kind of hard to shout out to the what were they again? <laughs> shout out to the Rams. To the, the Rams. Rams. What's up? What was your whoop, whoop. what city? What school? What? Uh, Cridersville. It's a small town, Midwest Ohio. Okay, like, okay. Middle of nowhere. Probably taking football fairly seriously, even at a young age. We took our football seriously. <laughs> like, yeah. So we didn't really go to church. We went to watch Browns games and Buckeyes games. Saturday and Sunday was Kind of its days. own religion in itself. Uh-huh. Yes. That was how our religion was. All right, so then. you're nine years old. You're playing football. Right. Okay. Were, were you big for your age at nine? Were you... I was oddly enough. So I'm not super tall now, but I was pretty much this height as like a 12-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> so really, I was like you the reached your growth me. potential at nine. Yes, I reached the growth potential like Well, I can tell grade. you started growing a beard when you were like seven and a half or yeah, something. That, you, that, you got a sweet beard. It came more like eight-year-old, but yeah. <laughs> I didn't the, get side, the sideburns came in at seven. Yeah, right, the exactly. growth down here didn't... And it took another year. I didn't exactly get one until I was 30. <laughs> I still can't grow a beard. This is it. This is all I get. <laughs> so, okay, so you're nine what, years old. What position were yeah, you playing? Uh, running back, and then I played linebacker a little bit as well. But so you're really guy. two of the most important positions yeah. on offense and defense yeah, at nine years old. And yeah. back then, you played both ways. Yeah, you played both ways. And like That was when the running back was getting 20, 30 carries, and... Yeah, they weren't passing ago. much at nine years no, old. No, they weren't. So, did you ever like run the whole field or something on a run? Break one? I yeah. did. Yeah, in high school, and this is what I got punished for. That was a whole other thing. Well, you got but, punished because you. you well, ran. so I made a seventy-five yard touchdown run, which was great. Um, but being a ninth grader, I thought everything was all about me. So I decided to do a front flip into the end zone. Oh. And my with coach, the ball? With the ball, yes. So Ooh. 75 <laughs> yards, then a little front flip. And like, was this for the varsity team? This was for the freshman team. So it wasn't team. quite Ninth as bad. Grade. But my, my coach didn't like that. So I had a lot of uh, running and explaining to do. On <laughs> so you did a front flip. Yes. Did you do it successfully? I did. I mean, it looked cool. 
but do you have it on video already? I'm not sure I have it on video. This is back in like cool to see, VHS and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. oh, you gotta send that into that memory place that turns it into a DVD right. for you. Right. Gonna have to get on that. Yeah, for sure. real. The rest of us need to see that. All right, so right. you played uh, midget football. Yeah, midget middle school through high middle school, school high how school. How long did you play midget football? Well, uh, third four grade. Years, yeah, yeah it's till like four years. Nine through twelve year, years old. Yeah. Okay. Through till till yeah. middle school, yeah, then the school has a real team. Yep, then the school has a real team. And then the, freshman, the when did you end up like hitting the varsity squad? Varsity squad a little bit sophomore year, mainly JV. Towards the end of the season? Yeah, that sort of thing. They, they then, called you up at the end of the season. You were yeah, JV. yeah, call me up to the big leagues, if you will. Did you like level that. out at JV, or did you still have like... What do you mean level? Oh, like height-wise? Yeah, height-wise, and, and like you were the star. At... I mean, I wouldn't necessarily say I was a star, but I was definitely one of the better players by right, my senior right. year. Um funny quick story about that with uh, the height height freshman year i was five seven one guy i played with college was also five seven we go to college i'm like five eight five nine so not much taller he's now six four <laughs> wow then our sophomore year of college he grows even more he's six seven i'm still five eight five nine. i'm like this is crap i got i didn't get anything you got the short end of the stick. I got the there. short end. Uh, is that, was that one of your puns? That no, like, no, uh, that just happened. To, that, just, <laughs> that just happened to be an idiom yeah. that was punny. Right, right. You're okay, so uh, any any uh, great high school stories besides uh, the six seven guy? The six seven guy. More so, um, high school was fun. Got a little bit. Uh, we had our first playoff appearance in thirty years. My junior year, that was really cool. Nice. There's more college. I got like really real and like some really cool experiences and. So you went okay. So let's let's talk a little bit about that transition mm-hmm. though. So you're a high school player. Right. You're a running back, mm-hmm. one of the better ones out Wait. there in like your conference and yeah, division, putting still... up some stats. Yeah, a little bit. Make some good highlights. So yeah. So uh, you got a few schools interested. Yeah. So I got a few. So schools. people come talk to you. Mm-hmm. So okay. Started, started recruited a little bit. That was a whole interesting experience. Money. So I played at Division Three, so there's no scholarship money, but there was still NIL, and you had to literally sign a form signing away your NIL rights every August. Oh, so the school had your NIL rights. Right, so they would so be they like, can, hey, we can use yourself in promotional material. They could pimp you out mm-hmm. for their co- promoting yeah. the college. This was to every college athlete until uh, like two years ago or whatever it wow, was. Wow, I did not know. It was pretty messed up, honestly. You could have been a star. <laughs> I could have So where'd you end up going? I went to Oberlin College, which... West of here. West of, yeah, west of Cleveland. Um, so Known as a very liberal college. A very liberal college, yes. Yeah, so Were you liberal in, in your upbringing? No, actually the I opposite. Think so. Yeah. Yeah, so I grew up in a small town, little very conservative. Everyone's very much the same. So Oberlin was like completely the opposite for me. Everyone was very different, very different opinions, very liberal. So it was very cool for me to experience a different yeah. culture, really. Different people, and it's shaped who I am. I, def- I, I get that too growing up in Nebraska mm-hmm. and thinking honestly that moving from North Platte to Lincoln was my city experience yeah. and I'm like oh now I get it but it wasn't until I moved out here to Cleveland that I was like oh now I actually do kind of get it mm-hmm. I'm around a lot of different people who have come from a lot of different places right. with a lot of mm-hmm. cool stories and now I'm really getting to know that there are cool people from everywhere Right, and I right. thought I knew that before, but it takes an experience like that. It does. That. It does. Like, you, you just don't know what you don't know. Like, there's a lot of people in my hometown got some uh, very conservative, sometimes discriminatory views. They might not like the old MAGA cracks that they uh, might Red not was like making. Uh-huh. There's a lot of MAGA back where I grew up. So, but it was probably a real eye-opening experience for you. Oh, very much to so. 
go back to where you came from once you went through Oberlin. Yeah, it was also very interesting for my parents who would come up for every game each week, and they were like, oh, my God, two boys holding hands? What? <laughs> and they're like, Mom, it's fine. It's... It- it's okay. Just, it's what, good for happens, it's yeah. good for the parents too. Yes, it's good for yeah. the parents, and you know it is, yeah. and for the the other siblings, like mm-hmm. those. You know, we we've had similar experiences here with my family sometimes right, too. Right. You know, Lakewood's a very diverse very liberal, very. and liberal area. You know, so you go to the karaoke bar. And you see a six foot five transsexual uh, woman screaming heavy metal, or, or and it kind of drag queen. Well, my my brother start he was drunk and he started pointing, and I was like, when she comes over here and drops you on your ass, I'm not even gonna get up. I'm just gonna let her do it. It's gonna laugh. I'm right. just gonna sit here and yeah. laugh that you just got dropped by this woman. And then he stopped pointing, but like. They, they he, just, he got the message. Well, mm-hmm. and the thing is, is uh, it was just so something that was so out of the norm to him. Right. You're not mm-hmm. exposed to those things at all. So it was this experience where it was like, holy crap, do you see what I'm seeing? And I'm like, all the time, actually, dude. Right. Not that big of a deal. Yeah. And, and but that, for you... And therein lies the difference. Mm-hmm. You know, for him, it was a novelty. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Good people that just... Not aware, not around people that are different from them. All right. Time. And and that's, I really think, the thing. I think that's an excellent way to say it. It was so unusual. I, I don't think, I truly don't think he meant any offense. It no. was just so unusual. Yeah, the, sh- the shock value. But we well, digress. Back, yes. Let's get back. <laughs> I knew we would swerve. <laughs> I knew right. we would swerve. Right. Um, so, so when we talk about your college experiences, anything memorable happened there? Yeah. yeah like, coaching-wise, high school coaches are intense. Mm-hmm. I know a little bit about that. I played football till my sophomore year in high yeah. school. So I never really even cracked the JV field, but uh, it, they were still pretty intense. I can only imagine what college would be like. Yeah, so high school was, I'm the type of person that I always ask questions. I'm always curious, always ask why. So I'd ask the coach, why are we running this play? Why are we doing this? Why are we doing this? And back in then, coaches were like, eh, I'm not having this. Louther, shut up. Don't do this, don't do this. <laughs> and so... Coaches made me run a lot because of that. Oh, stop doing, stop asking questions. They didn't Go feel run. like it was curiosity. They thought you were questioning that. Right, exactly. So I, after a few laps and doing this many a times, I was like, okay, I'm just going to shut up and do whatever they say. College, exact opposite. My head coach was amazing. He's an amazing guy. He's the most brilliant football mind I've ever been around. Really? Yeah, he's well, that, super That talented. says a lot. Yeah, like so if you know anything about like football and coaching – uh, Bill Walsh from the 80s and the 49ers. Yep. He's the founder of like the West Coast offense. Right. And my coach comes from a branch of him. Like, okay. He's he's from that lineage. Yeah, he's from that lineage. He's intelligent. He's super smart. He So he was our offensive coordinator when I was there. We were a top three, four offensive team. And then we didn't have any defense coordinator, so we switched. And now he's a top three, four defensive coordinator, top three, four defense in the conference. So dude's brilliant on both sides of the wall. Did you work, uh, did you play for him for four years? I played for him for four years, and then I actually had a coach with him for a year or two, which was really awesome, but we can get to that in a second. But, yeah, <laughs> it was amazing. But So the, the cool experience is that we had – we were not the greatest football team. We were my, I think, sophomore year. We were 0-8. Oh, and 8. That had to be tough yeah. to go out, yeah. <laughs> out after week seven. Yeah, 0-8 <laughs> going into like our ninth game. And this was like when uh, Miley Cyrus and like Party in the USA was big. Uh-huh. So we finally beat this other team who's also not very good. And 
all of us are in the locker room afterwards, getting naked to go shower and stuff like that. Miley Cyrus is playing, and we're all just jamming out to party in the USA. <laughs> and it was awesome. It, it was, was nice, really weird, nice. but it was awesome. The locker room party. Yeah, it was great party. that you were one in eight or one in seven, mm-hmm. and you were still partying like you're seven and one. Yeah, you, know? you got to enjoy the Hey, it, well, at that point, that was the biggest win of the season. Right, right. right. Yeah. All right, big plays in college. Big plays in college. So... Um, you're both at my wedding, so you, the my best man, was actually one of my coaches. We got closer. We coached together as well, and he, he, I didn't like him my first year actually. So he he lent me his cleats the eighth ninth game of the year or something like, and it was like really muddy. And we had a grass field, and his cleats had like one and a half inch spikes. Super. Good. <laughs> they're like they're like yeah, like lethal, definitely, like borderline definitely, legal. Yeah, yeah but like, probably not legal. Yeah, legal, but, lethal, whatever. <laughs> right, and so. That game, I happened to catch a screen pass, and I took it for 40 yards for a touchdown. Nice. And he was just, like, all about it. And so every time he tells a story, it gets bigger and bigger. It was a 60-yard touchdown, <laughs> and by eight, it was 80-yard touchdown, and by the time our wedding comes around, He stiff-armed two people and stiff- clotheslined another on his way to the end zone. And 130 yards that he scored. <laughs> yeah, it was a touchdown. Then he ran around the stadium. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, it was a fun time. <laughs> so that had to feel great, though. It was. Oh, like, breaking touchdowns, yeah. man. What, breaking touchdowns, running the football is one of the coolest experiences, like, just ever. And then scoring and celebrating with your guys and your right. teammates is an amazing experience. So, all right, wait, wait, wait. Let's go back. What was okay. your worst experience? Oh, yeah. So, you're going to make him talk about yeah, that, too? Yeah, that's That's yeah. the high of it. Now, the, the, the other low. side low is spring ball is... It's tough. Right, you, explain spring ball for a second. So spring ball is basically just practicing in the spring. Um, no just, games. No games. Okay. You you can have usually like fifteen practices. Um, and at our level, you don't really get as pads and stuff as much. It's not as intense as you say it will at like Ohio State. But um, we and my teammates were having a good Friday Saturday night one time, and the athletic director. Wait, how old are you? I'm over 21. Okay. No, I'm not necessarily. Well, <laughs> um, <laughs> I thought so. He was playing college football. That stuff's allowed. Yeah, that's all you need. Okay, go ahead. Our uh, athletic director is at Walmart. He catches a few of our players loading some uh, cases of some things into their trunk. Mm. And so we had a good time that weekend. And we were also at the Sunday baseball game, grilling out right and left field, which our coach was at, which <laughs> wasn't also the smartest You idea. don't always think things through when you're in college. You don't always think things through. And so that Monday at practice, we had to run probably the worst physical conditioning I've ever had to do. I think my coach is a little bit of a ironic. He likes this. So we ran 40-40s. Oh, 40-40s. Really? 40s. 40 yards, 40 times. Are you, that's a sprint. So you basically a ran sprint. a mile, but you sprinted it. We sprinted it, yeah. It's and tough. and I, by twenty you must have been tired. Oh, by twenty we were definitely tired. And he was trying to make it into like a thing, like oh it's halftime, up oh, third quarter, it's fourth quarter, here we go. And we we're just like, no, I don't want to do this. <laughs> oh, quarterback, whoever got caught. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> they found him later that day. Yeah, right. That that was tough. He had bruises on his. <laughs> yeah. We all came up and beat him. Uh, unexplained. <laughs> So while you were playing college ball, mm-hmm. did you think about coaching then? Or when did you, I guess, when did you start thinking, maybe I want to be on, you know, that side? I actually didn't, oddly enough. I was uh, going to go get my PhD afterwards. Um, that didn't end up working out. I came back here to Cleveland and working at the Science Center, which is super fun. Found out I really like teaching. 
teaching's pretty fun. Okay. And then... So wait, what was your undergraduate degree yeah. in? Biology. Biology? Oh, really? Yeah. I always oh. thought you would... He's gone smart, to school to be man. a te- well, we knew that. <laughs> no, I don't. I did not go to be a teacher. Had to do it all later on. But so yeah, I was working at science center, and so a little bit of backstory. Where I grew up, which maybe similar with you, that we didn't have seasonal jobs. Like once you had a job, you had it for the whole year until you resigned or quit. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. I got this job at science center in like May or June, expecting the same thing, and I'm working in September, October. And then it's July, and they tell me it's a seasonal position. This thing's over in, like, a month. I'm like, oh, crap. Would have been nice to know that right. earlier. What yeah, am I going to yeah. do for money now? Yeah. Call up my You're old living head. in Cleveland. Yeah, living in Cleveland. i got to pay that rent. Call my old head coach and talk with him, and he's like, hey, why don't you coach? I'm like, all right, cool. I'll go do that. So I coached college in my first year. I uh, made $2,000 for a four-month season. So I was uh, living low, but yeah. it was super fun. Yeah. And So, so yeah. You, you got into coaching as a necessity. Yeah, a little bit not of necessity. A, not a yearning. Yeah. And then I uh, found out I really love it. It's really fun. Like, it's just it's just teaching what I do on a normal day-to-day basis, just teaching football instead of teaching science or whatever. Right, right. And I, I, I coach cross-country, and I know that I love coaching it because you're teaching to the kids that want to be there. Mm-hmm. Mostly. Mostly. Because yeah. I coached wrestling for a while, yeah. and one of our best teams, record-wise, had some of the worst attitudes. Really? They were just such athletes. They thought that they already knew everything. And it was like, okay, you're 14. Coach and I, between the two of us, have 35 years of actual wrestling experience. Right. That's the nice thing I will say about like coaching versus teaching in the classroom. When a kid mouth is off in the classroom, you can't really go make him run. On the football field, if you're mouthing off, take a lap. I'll see you when you're back. (laughs) Yeah. So Give nice. you a little time to think about it. Because <laughs> yeah. they're there voluntarily. Right. So would you say that your uh, coach in college inspired you or influenced you? Yeah, for sure. He's, he still does. I worked with him afterwards. And like I said, he's the most brilliant football mind I've ever been around. And he's the first one that introduced me that it's a teacher coach. Like, you're not just a football coach. You are a teacher first. And then you're a coach afterwards. Like, it's all about getting them to understand the material in this case, a play as much as you can and getting the best result on the field to execute at the highest level. That's and coaching. did he go on to anything greater or did he, was he, did he level out? So he's a guy. So when I, he coached me, he was like 50 or so. Um, he more, I think, peaked early. And I think there's other reasons he, uh, he made a bit of a hot head at times that he didn't because he was working at University of Illinois. He's working at University of Nevada. He's working at some like big schools. But yeah. Some other things happened that we'll go into later. Okay. That he, uh, that's why he's at Oberlin instead. Okay. So, so, all right. So, so he was. Those things happen even to brilliant guys. They do. They do. Sometimes you just don't want to take some crap from people. I think. And and you're like, I'm way smarter at this than you. Right. So, why am I taking crap from you? Right. I I think the game of football almost allows hot headedness, you know? Yeah. Well, there has to be a certain element of it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Most coaches, most players are hot headed, type A personalities, that sort of thing. But you do at certain points got to take your ego out of it and realize what the greater goal is because we're all trying to get together as a team right. and win a championship. Right, and that's the whole, the whole bottom line is you're a team. And that's, well, I feel like that might be one of the hardest things as a coach. Mm-hmm. Like the individual effort, but sure, to get everyone to have that vision and work together, mm-hmm. that's not an easy thing to well, do, especially with either. a bunch of type A hot-headed personalities. Mm-hmm. A lot of times you just got to take your ego out of the way and 
realize what is best for him. Easier said than done. Right. Very Especially true. when Very you true. want the ball mm-hmm. or you want to smash the guy with the ball. Mm-hmm. Especially for so for me in college, that was I came up at the time where the running back is going to get 20, 30 carries. And my freshman year, the senior was an All-American. He was an amazing athlete. He was getting 20, 30 carries. By the time I'm sophomore, I'm splitting carries with other guys. It was around the time when like Auburn and those guys were getting a lot of like two backs in the backfield. They're splitting carries, yeah. things like that. Like That became the trend. And so I'm getting 10, 15 carries a game. And it's a little frustrating, but you got to do what's best for the team. So when you get only 10 to 15 carries, did you make the most of it? Yeah, that's what you got to do. Like, and, and again, taught me a great life lesson. Make the best of, best of every opportunity that you get. Right, right. You may not get a lot. So yeah. So I want to I want to go back to uh, uh, your team that was one in seven. Okay, how <laughs> he how, loves this stuff. How, how is it to play? Wait, how as a coach do you motivate kids when they're one in seven? It's all about getting a little bit better every day. So we don't focus on the results. We focus on each day and getting a little bit one percent better every single day. Doing that, you're going to get a lot better over time, and the results should take care of themselves. Right. We may be one and seven this year, but next year we're going to be ten and zero. Now right. that sounds good on paper. What percentage of your players bought into that? Uh, in college, maybe less. Um, as coaching in high school, I would say a decent ten to twenty percent, as many as you can get around. So. There's a, a cool leadership principle called the 10-80-10 principle. So you got the 10% guys at the top that they are going to do the extra no matter they'll what. They'll run through the wall. Yeah, you don't need to motivate them. 80%, kind of the majority, they'll do what you need to do, but you don't need you need to motivate them a little bit more. And then 10% at the bottom, they're not really going to do – they're always going to be the slackers. They're going to be late, all these sort of things. So you try to get as many of those 80%ers into that 10% as you can. So try to get as many of those majority people that are just doing the bare minimum to get that extra effort, put in a little extra work, to get in that 10%, that elite category as you can, to become an elite team. Okay, so... You convince them the hard work's worth it. Right. And you can do that, honestly, by... People love to do anything for stickers. <laughs> stickers, shirts, free things. Still. Like, think about yeah, all the at the Guardians game, all those free shirts you Americans get. Americans love free You're things. right, I do love free like, shirts for we, the Guardians we put, game. We put up stickers for the kids after they make a big play or whatever, and... They're like, I'm you know what's so I'm funny right is that these are almost grown men, and mm-hmm. you're giving them a sticker. I mean, Ohio State yeah. does it every year on oh, yeah. their helmets. Yeah, yeah. No sh- yeah, there's a reason, right? Yeah, yeah, it works. exactly. It works. People love stickers. I, I couldn't imagine saying, "Well, I got a sticker." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, but when you're like, "I got this because I," right, mm-hmm. right, and you're competitive, like, "Hey, I got ten stickers. How many you get?" Yeah, look at my helmet. It's mm-hmm. covered. Yeah, that's like that's the nonverbal way of saying I'm a boss. Exactly. I own right, this. Yeah. Right. So, football. Okay. Football. You've been thinking about it for a long time. I have. When yes. you're in the heart of a season, yeah. How many hours a day do you think you spend thinking about football? In the heart of a season, I mean, probably most of the day. Even outside of the football season, like when, my, you, when you're driving home, are you thinking yeah, about it? Yeah. Yeah. Like anytime I see something, anytime watching the Super Bowl or anything, I'm thinking about, ooh, I like that play. Ooh, I like this play. Let me let me take that a little bit because every my brain works very fast. So. Anytime I see a play, I'm like, oh, I want to write that down. So I'm just like jotting plays down. Like if you talk to my wife, she'd tell you I have plays just jotted down on our <laughs> fridge and a random piece of paper on notepads on the girls' backs. Also, <laughs> and the girls probably love that. They love it. They absolutely love it. Seems like a fun game that Dad. Yeah. Yeah. You know, okay. he likes football. We're in. So let's say it's summertime. You're, you know, you're at a Guardians game. Do you mm-hmm. like stray off and think about football then? Uh, if I'm a Guardians game. 
probably uh, actually maybe I probably do still. I was gonna say no, but it's just hard not to. Like when we're maybe in the sixth, seventh inning, and I'm like, ooh, we would we would be done with football. Or I wonder how this could relate to football and how that would relate to football. Yeah, yeah. How maybe we could make football better, or doing this or that, or all these different things. So would you say that you think about football every day? Probably, yeah. Yeah. That's it's, cool. And that's that's a football mind. Yeah, it's a it's a fun fun sport, especially once you learn the strategy of it. It's just chess. It's just chess on a human scale. Like, it's so strategic and it's super cool and super fun. Able to do that once you're able to understand that. And it's really, you know, I've been watching football since I was a kid, and the game has evolved and changed. And mm-hmm. it, you know, the pendulum swings. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, now no one passes. Yep. Everyone's back to the run game. Oh, wait a second. Mm-hmm. Now we're, you know, now it's all shotgun. We don't even line up under center. Mm-hmm. It, you know, it's been fun to to see that happen, and at different levels too, college and the pros. Mm-hmm. And that's why you see teams recognizing that so that's why you see the browns doing a lot of 12 and 21 personnel which means like two tight ends and two running backs they're seeing that because everyone's passing so everyone's getting like smaller linebackers and things like that so they're like hey i'm gonna get these big guys i'm gonna run down your throat so they may be a little ahead of time but hopefully not and we get a nice little super bowl here this year absolutely wouldn't that be the best so when you watch football do you uh, i guess see more than the average person yes Explain. So blocking schemes. Yeah, I see. Okay, they're running this play. They're running that play. Okay, they're running this concept. They're running that concept. So my eyes are trained just by coaching so many years that I'm going to look from the inside out. So I'm going to look at that line of scrimmage first. I'm going to see if they're running. Okay, we're running this play. All right, then I'm going to get a little wider as we go. All right, they're running this concept. They're doing this. Okay, they're running this defense, this coverage, all sorts of things. And then you, maybe any an average fan, may blame so-and-so person for doing that. I'm like, no, it's actually the so-and-so missed their block. That's why he got tapped right. on the line of scrimmage. So you see it at a much deeper level. Like when I watch a running play, yeah. I watch the running back. No, you don't watch the ball. Yeah. See, and that's and therein lies the difference. <laughs> yeah. No, we're watching it from a fan's point of view right, compared to right. a coach's point of view. And that's the hard thing, to, to be honest. Once you do learn more in depth, it's hard to go back to watching it like a fan, and it can be too much where you're just like watching – all the you're watching extra film basically. It can be a little extra. <laughs> do you do you get? Fru- it's no longer recreation. Yeah, it's. Do you like, get frustrated when you watch as? Do you try to watch as a fan? I do. I get frustrated more watching with other people who don't know football, like my dad in particular, who love great dude, and he loves football, but he doesn't know as much about football. So he'll watch it and he'll get mad at Nick Chubb for getting a negative three yard run or whatever i'm like no it was this guy's fault this guy missed his block he didn't do this this isn't right so don't get mad at that or this is why stefanski did this so don't get mad at the quarterback throwing a pick that wasn't stefanski's point he didn't want that to happen or things like that i I remember talking to you one time about uh quarterbacks yeah and why they never look at the ball Mm -hmm. so they a lot of people get mad at that and is Two ways Me? to teach it. <laughs> the reason they're not looking at the ball is so that they get that little extra half a second to go and look at the receiver shooting up his hands. Because the receiver is only going to shoot up his hands to try and catch the ball at the very last second. And so they're trained to look at that him shooting the, uh, that hands up and to swipe his hands down to get that little extra half second to break up the pass. Because an incompletion, whether he drops it or they break it up or it's overthrown, Counts the same to them. Right. So so if they take the time to look back at the ball, they lose a step they or, lose that step. or a second. Yeah, they lose that. They, they maybe lose the ball. They'll, yeah, they'll lose a step, and they'll maybe the guy will catch it, and then they'll run. Whereas if you just look at the hands, swipe the hands, 
He's good. Incomplete pass. No touchdown. Winner, winner. Little things. Yeah. It's all about the little things that add up. Speaking of winners, let's transition to this year's Super Bowl. Let's talk a little bit about that. What did you think of the game? It was a really good game. It was a really good game. So, did you really? Many people would think the. uh, I've heard so many people complain about. Oh my God! The first quarter was so boring. The first half was oh the first yeah. But I I also enjoyed it. It was a lot more of a defensive game than I think a lot of people were expecting, including for sure. Yeah, and that's probably why like, and that's why college, in my opinion, is more exciting to watch because there's just more scoring. But defensive games aren't as fun to watch. And that's why people would It's like, like a pitcher's duel no, saying, at the like Guardians. Duel, right. It's like watching a one-hitter. Right. You know, it's... Super boring to watch, but... You respect how... Lot. You respect it, yeah. And that's the whole thing. Like, you watching a defensive game probably see ten times more mm-hmm. than the people who are... Well, that's why, like, me and a colleague were like, who who, who you got in the Super Bowl? I'm like, oh, I gotta go with San Francisco. Like, everything's pointing towards them. They're gonna win it. But then as I got closer and closer towards the game, I was like, it's gotta be Kansas City. Like, how can I go against... Pat Mahomes, right, and then also, Kansas City's defense is looking better than the San Francisco's at this time, and that's inevitably who won the game. Is Kansas City's defense? Were you surprised that Kansas City made it to the Super Bowl because they were at one point almost five hundred? I, they? I, they had the same record as the Browns. Yeah, I was a little bit to be honest. Like they were not. They were. They fought. Off. They lost to some some pretty crappy teams. Yeah, they teams. lost to the Raiders. Yeah, they offensively they were not great. They were not themselves. Their normal selves. So. Honestly, the fact that they were able to make it to the Super Bowl and win it with an offense that was not clearly not operating 100% is even more impressive and scary that they may repeat next year. I know, right? I heard and they're a, already talking about it. Right. I heard a statistic that since they traded away Tyreek Hill, That's Kansas crazy. City has not had a 1,000-yard receiver or a 1,000-yard rusher for the season, yet they're still winning Super Bowls. Super Bowl. Key thing, they have 15. They have Pat Mahomes. Yeah. Mahomes. That what did you think of, uh, in overtime, the decision for the uh, 49ers to, what did they do, receive the ball first? Receive the ball first. Yeah. Mistake. So, you think mistake? Well, uh, all I've heard is how yeah. it was a mistake. The, the announcers around Cleveland said it was a mistake. Obviously, we got to take them at their word. So, <laughs> um, I, I can see it from like two perspectives. I can see it from both perspectives. As a coach, I... I did a little research and I figured out, understood why Kyle Shanahan did it. The reason he wanted to go for first possession is that he figured we go down, we'll score. Kansas City, they're going to score too. So I wanted that third possession to, to decide the game, basically. That's okay. why he did it for everyone. Okay. And it's come out later on that Kansas City, that first drive they had, they were going for two anyway. So they were going to go to win the game regardless. Oh, okay. So they have that and then... And I get the other side too, where you give Pat Mahomes second, he's gonna have four downs to get a first down every time. So they're going, they're not gonna give up. They're gonna give you give Pat Mahomes an extra down. That's that's a challenge for any defense. Yeah. And so it's a little bit both sides, and that's what I don't necessarily love about the average fan. Like they don't see it from like the coaching perspective, where there is strategy involved in it. And I can't fault them for that decision. Like maybe what thinks is the best decision, and. It didn't quite work out how he wanted, but that's you, not the reason why. You, like, there was some speculation that he didn't understand the rules of overtime in yeah. the Super Bowl. I found that to be hard to believe. I find that hard yeah, to believe Yeah, he also. definitely understood the rules, and I know he explained it to, like, some of his players. May not have explained it to all his players, but the Chiefs definitely did, it sounds like. But honestly, I didn't even know the rules. Like, this is the first time they had used these overtime rules. They were completely unique and weird and... 
Same. That's yeah. so funny that they, they did it the, the first time they used them is the Super Bowl. Right, and that's what the reason they changed. You know, the reason they changed them It's because Pat Mahomes against the Bills a few years ago, when they go the Bills go and drive and they give Pat Mahomes 13 seconds to go and score, they go do that. They get the ball in overtime, go score right away because they have all the momentum. It's over. They get it. Yeah, and so they changed the rules to each team. They were trying to level the playing field. And this is what I. I, people hate him. I get it, but like I like about Pat Mahomes, he was like, "They're gonna change the rules on us just to beat us, but we'll still win with your rules." Right. Way to go, us. Yeah, I, I don't understand why people hate him. Maybe he's a good. He's a good player. He is really good. People just don't like people winning all yeah, the time. I guess. Which I get, but I, I wish we had that problem. <laughs> he has that strange looking helmet, though. He does. He has a strange. Yeah. The helmet, <laughs> the face mask seems smashed in, yeah. and then the top of the helmet seems way too tall. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe it's the hair. Maybe whatever works. Anyway, hey, I was like, three Super Bowls or two? Yeah, three Super Bowls in four years, and he's twenty-eight years old. Right. I know that's a pretty scary situation. There's only like two other guys I think that have done that. Like, hmm, the deal is insane. So, uh, at the beginning of the season, I open up. I've talked about this on the show. I open up a FanDuel account Mm -hmm. and get two hundred free dollars in bets, and they have this promotion going: bet fifty bucks on any team you want to win the Super Bowl. And receive $5 in bonus bets for every win they get in the season. So in my mind, I'm like, well, I'm going to bet on the Chiefs because they'll win at least 10 games this year. So the worst I do is get my money back in bonus bets. Now, what I didn't realize is because I was using the bonus bets they gave me, that promotion didn't apply. So I have this 50, which is the biggest bet I've made ever on any of these sports books, uh, riding on the Chiefs all year long. So they win the AFC championship and FanDuel starts trying to get, I'm supposed to make 300 bucks if they win. Okay. So FanDuel starts trying to get me to take $99 to just take the money right there and run. Mm. And I'm like going back and forth cause I'm cheap. And I'm like, this is a free hundred bucks. Right. And I'm kind of thinking maybe San Francisco's going to get it done this year. I don't know. So I make a bunch of other small bets. I probably got, Seriously, 15 or 16 goofy other little parlays and bets going on. These are like two and three dollar bets. Though. Two to like, like the length of the national anthem, stuff like that. Yeah. yeah, two to probably eight to ten dollars max. Heads or tails on the kickoff. Yeah. You know. yeah, I'm watching this game and it the amount they're offering me to cash out just keeps going crazy. At one point, it was down to twenty four dollars they were offering oh. me to cash out. At another point, it jumped up to a hundred and twenty. Then I'm talking to the wifey and she's like, well, is there a number that it has to hit for you to cash out? Yeah. And I was like, if it gets over 200, I'm just taking it. As, as opposed to getting the 300. Man, as opposed I, I to holding like, out. Hey, I've ridden with him this long. Let's just finish one more game. It got to $197.25. And she looked at me and I said, I said 200. I'm not doing it. Man of his principles. And... Or, or stubborn. <laughs> and, well, at that point, I was just feeling the Chiefs did have the momentum as well. I felt more confident. Yeah. And it paid off. See. He threw that pass. Ten minutes later, boom, the money so, hit my account. The next morning, I pulled 200 out. Ooh, all right. So, I'm, you know, I'm like, I'm up, and I still am messing around with free money. Free money. Love it. So, yeah, that was my little fun Super Bowl story. That, was, that was great that you held out for the 300. I know. Like, I was asking, what do I do? What do I do? And different people would say, take the money. What's wrong with you? Other people would be like, it was free money. Yeah. Why? It was a bonus bet. Ride with it. Yeah, that's the way I look at it. It's like you did it all season. Yeah. 
All right, real quick. Why did that guy catch the touchdown pass to win the game? Why was he so open? Oh, I thought you said, well, why did he catch the touchdown? No, <laughs> did you not want him to catch it? <laughs> no, sure. I didn't actually. I bet sure. on San Francisco. <laughs> oh, the Chiefs would disagree. Okay, so they ran a little uh, in and out motion. So they ran that little in motion to begin with to uh, make the cornerback who should have been guarding him guard Travis Kelsey in that situation. And so then on the snap, he ran out where that cornerback should have been guarding him again, which that's, again, tough thing to do after the snap. But that cornerback is guarding Travis Kelsey. He's acting as a decoy in that play. So there's and no one to guard him right there. And that's why he was so open. Which mm-hmm. was great for the 300, and I'm happy about it. But, right. man, if they would have just thrown it to Kelsey, I would have hit, like, three other bets. <laughs> I had so many bets where he scores a touchdown because I thought, of course he'll score a touchdown. Well, he didn't do anything until, like, late in the third. It was, like, sh- I was... The, the 49ers did well. They really job. took him out of the game. They did. And credit to the dude from Cleveland. He uh, he came through in the clutch. Yeah. They, yeah, they could have won that game easily. Yeah. Oh, is the 49ers, honestly, just didn't take advantage of the opportunities. You can't keep a team like the Chiefs close and lying around with right. a score that long and expect a good Not result. with the best quarterback they in had, the league. Well, right. and they had some chances to put points on the board, mm-hmm. and it didn't happen. It just didn't happen, or they're getting field goals instead of touchdowns. That was unfortunately the issue for yeah but blocks. Mm-hmm. That that fumbled punt return was or that, that yeah was, yeah that was off big. the foot. Mm-hmm. Yeah yeah. Well, any last words as a coach before we wrap it up today? Be a little bit more forgiving and open-minded to the coaches instead of just laying blame on them right away about the play call or this or that. Try to take a second and think about why they may have done that or what they may have done or what you have done in those situations. Well, or just understand that you right. don't know everything. Or that as well. Well, yes. I always defer to, there's a reason, and they get paid to think about football, and I just watch right. football. There's a reason we don't go to your job and tell you how to do it. Right? And if you did, I'd be like, get the F out of here. Exactly. Well, I think we did another fantastic episode of Red Red Squared. Squared. Thanks a lot for being on the show, Coach Adam. Good night, everybody. Thanks for having me.